0: Hey, please keep this podcast around for the next time that you get so outraged that you're tempted to do something that you'll regret. I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head, a safe place to hide a hurting heart, a gentle place to fall, we just call this place Goodnight. I heard Mike say, wind your watch, and he said it between clenched teeth, and I could see that he was sweating pretty good. Mike was my first flight instructor all of those decades ago, and his teeth were clenched because I had the plane stalled. It was pointed straight down and it was starting to spin, and I was reaching like mad for buttons and switches and pulling on levers instead of thinking. Mike was teaching me a pilot saying that goes, when you notice that one wing just fell off, first thing to do is wind your watch. (laughs) That's a reminder that it's not a good idea to just throw a bunch of switches and pull on a lot of levers until you first take a breath and actually understand what needs to be done, and then do it. Remembering to wind your watch is one way to break the momentum of fear, and it gives you a chance to get things back under reasoned control. It was a hard lesson. Well learned. Thanks, Mike. (laughs) Mike probably had to wind his watch at least ten times to keep from just grabbing the controls that day. I think we are at a wind-your-watch time in America right now. This never was, is not now, and never will be a political podcast. I don't like politics. mentioned a few podcasts ago that politics is a fortune cookie word. You can break open a fortune cookie word and read the message inside. If you break the word politics apart... You get poly, which means many, and ticks, which are small, blood-sucking insects. And I have to admit, in many cases, the message inside the word politics kind of fits lots of folks in Washington very well these days. And having said that, I must admit that I think Mr. Trump's assignment of the title Fake News is brilliant. It's simple, it's to the point, and it's a universal excuse for any mistakes the press might catch him making. And everybody makes mistakes. I'm thinking a similar simple and to the point word might be used to defuse the Charlotte kind of outrage that takes place way too often in our country these days and nights. How about we try a reworking of the word outrage? Because when people are outraged, they tend to form into gangs, throw rocks, break windows, generally create carnage. So, let's make up a new fortune cookie word how about the word in rage i-n-r-a-g-e, I-N-R-A-G-E? Could be the first step kind of wind your watch break the rage momentum reminder the word inrage would acknowledge your legitimate anger but it would also remind us to keep the anger locked up inside at least at least for a little while Stop the anger from spreading and gathering momentum and ultimately resulting in rage and broken windows and broken heads. Breaking the rage momentum would be a first step in taking control of a dangerous situation. My out-of-control reaching for buttons and levers while the plane was headed straight down and beginning to spin was, was only going to end in disaster until Mike reminded me between clenched teeth to wind my watch. Take a deep breath. Actually figure out what needed to be done. Winding my watch was only a first step. We had to eventually make a safe landing, which we obviously did. And I've got a fortune cookie word for that, too. It's unrage, U-N-R-A-G-E, unrage. That would be when we calm down enough to try to genuinely understand why the guy who is provoking our rage feels the way he does. Because there usually is a reason. And there's a lot of power in the use of reason. We got to the moon and back by using the power of reason. I was a therapist for 18 years, and I realized that internalization of rage could be dangerous. And that's one reason why in-rage would only be a first step. But I think that just breaking the rage momentum with a first step like that would be at least a genuine step in the direction of unrage. The politically correct, we're all one people, pap, is not working because it doesn't acknowledge the actual, sometimes valid, range that people feel. In rage, would be a genuine acknowledgment of that anger, that rage. But it would also remind the angry person that you don't have to break windows or heads, at least not right away. And it actually acknowledges the fact that there might be a time for that later. The pilot saying that goes, when you notice that one wing just fell off, the first thing to do is wind your watch, is a reminder that it's not a good idea to just throw a bunch of switches and pull a lot of levers. First, you take a deep breath and actually understand what needs to be done and then you do it. Thinking about winding your watch breaks the momentum of fear. Gives you a chance to get things back under reasoned control. I think the main problem we're having in this country now is fear. Fear of the unknown. Unknown people and unknown ideas. It's easy to hate somebody that you don't know. And it's easy to hate an idea that you don't fully understand. And that's where enrage comes in. It's simple, to the point, and it's a quick reminder that the next time you see something that scares you, before you reach for a rock, it'll be a really good idea to wind your watch, please. Coming up an email from a woman who explains some of the complicated fears that happen to a girl as she's growing up. Dick's Details, a bunch of totally unimportant stuff for you to stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important stuff that's making you nuts out the other ear, and you can grab a grin and win. Good old P.T. Barnum staged the first beauty contest. Now there's a bright guy for you. P.T. went hanging around the mall with a clipboard asking, Hello, my dear. You're gorgeous. How would you like to come up to my place and audition for my beauty contest? It's my contest. And as I said, you're gorgeous. (laughs) Filthy, filthy, filthy old man. Why didn't I think of that? If the answer is take yours off with him, what is the question? If the answer is take yours off with him, what is the question? You don't know, do you? Of course not. Haven't told you yet, I'll tell you in a minute. If the answer is take yours off with him, what is the question? Sigmund Freud smoked 40 cigars a day. 40 cigars a day the guy smoked. They could have called him Sigmund (laughs) Freud. This fall, I'm not making this up. This fall there will be a testicle festival in the great state of Montana. Really, I'm not making this up. Can you imagine what the floats in a testicle festival will look like? Wow. The average American kid uses 730 crayons by the time he's 10. 730 crayons and probably seven or eight balls. Alright, if the answer is take yours off with him. The question is, how can you win a bet with somebody that he can't even take his shirt off by himself? Take yours off with him. See? Uh Uh-oh, I just realized that it probably wouldn't be a good idea for the ladies listening to try that. Dicks to tails, they take your mind off your mind. little housekeeping here. If you like these podcasts or my spoken word story CDs at DickSummer.com or my book, Staying Happy, Healthy, and Hot at Amazon.com, please tell a couple of friends because they might like them too, and you would be doing me a favor. Thank you very much. I promised you a note from a proud podcast person about the fears that a young girl encounters in the process of growing up. It's a beautiful and honest note. (laughs) Of course, I could never come up with these highlights for, for reasons that are fairly obvious, I guess. The lady's name is Carol, and she says, quote, When I was in high school, I was told that I had girl-next-door good looks, even though I had an hourglass figure. That's terrible. Come on. Somebody lived next door to Catherine Zeta-Jones. She was the girl-next-door, too. So was my lady wonder wench. Oh, sorry. Back to Carol's note. Quote, I remember how insecure I felt when a girl who had relocated from California joined my homeroom. She wore scads of makeup, false eyelashes, and she was also very well endowed. To me, she appeared to be like all the beautiful women you saw on TV. I, on the other hand, tomboy that I always was, never wore makeup. I also had my own rather quirky style of dressing, but I liked it, and that was what counted. And interestingly, I lusted after a tall, nicely muscled, handsome beach lifeguard who was also attending Brooklyn College, although he was two years ahead of me. He seemed charming, and I was tickled when he finally asked me out. But what a bust that evening was. He was duller than a rusty old razor blade. A conversationalist he wasn't. I couldn't wait to get home and be rid of him. I developed a thesis. L- listen to this, because this is really good. Spectacularly beautiful women or men don't need to develop a brain or a personality because they're sought after so that they don't feel the need. Isn't that interesting? <sighs> okay, back to Carol's litter. Yes, I realized I was painting with an overly wide brush, but it really had been... My experience all through college. Gotta tell you that I really did get tired of guys trying to hustle me into bed on the first date. As for expectations, sexual mores have changed so much by this time that I think our frames of reference are way out of date. Women are more the aggressor now than I think any time in the past. I have always believed that to be honest with one another is the best course. Signed, Carol. Carol... I honestly don't know if your frames of reference are way out of date or not, but Carol, I do know that guys are just as scared as girls, maybe more so, and I wrote a story about that called, I'll Call You. You're a not-so-young guy under a lot of pressure. Change in management at the job has you wondering about your career. The legal battle with your almost ex-wife has turned really ugly. You're enjoying the fact that your daughter has been spending more time with you than with her mom. And you're telling yourself it has nothing to do with the competition. It's just that you really love the kid, and mostly you believe that. But it's leaving you without even enough time to tuck your shirt in or take out the trash. And now, much sooner than you planned, there's a new woman smiling at the edge of your life. You didn't plan on that. She was so bright and warm and soft and sexy the first time you saw her that you were afraid that if you looked away, she might look different when you looked back. She was the single parent just ahead of you in the the meet-the-teacher line at your daughter's school. Your daughter's best friend's mom. The four of you went for hamburgers after the school conference. and While the kids were playing on the big yellow plastic slide, you took your second look and... She did look different, laughing quietly at one of your old jokes. What a lovely sound. She's not cover girl beautiful, but sitting across the table from you, even in the harsh fluorescent light, her skin looks pure and soft. If she's wearing makeup, you can't tell. Her hair is shiny brown with a few strands of silver pulled up in a tight business-like hairdo, can't help imagining how it would look and feel and smell tumbling down around her shoulders and your fingers. When she turned around to check the kids, she leaned forward and you got a sudden, almost irresistible urge to reach out and gently stroke her cheek. And she caught you. Your eyes must have given you away. Most women would have looked down and kind of blushed or ignored the moment or tried to say something funny. She just looked surprised for a moment and then sat back slowly and comfortably and smiled. No self-conscious tug at her blouse to be sure it was properly buttoned and no quick double-check for her missing wedding band. No panic, just pleasant surprise. Now, you're very well aware that there's quite a difference between panic and pleasant surprise. And you're also very well aware that there's quite a difference between pleasant surprise and genuine interest. The only thing you could think of saying was, may I call you tomorrow? Made you feel like a character in an old black-and-white Cary Grant film. But she just very quietly said, I'd like that. And that was last week. It was a very busy week. No wonder you kind of forgot to call. No time to call from work. You even started dialing once, and then somebody came into the office, and there was a meeting, and then you all went out for drinks, and it was too late to call, and there's no privacy to call from home with your daughter around. Besides, with so many bills to pay, you you can't afford to take a woman out. And what would you say? I mean, you haven't had to ask for a date since you were a kid. And you can't help remembering what a disaster it was being 16. And you know you're really not that good looking, and she's a knockout. And besides, what good would it do in the long run? Be practical about it, even if it did work out, which it probably won't. There are other knockouts out there. And if you get started with this one, suppose you meet another one that you like even better. You felt trapped for an awful long time. Besides, you don't need any lectures. You said tomorrow, and by the time you got around to really seriously thinking about it, it was three days later. You don't want to listen to anybody tell you about things that you should do, or the fact that when you say you're going to call, you should call. And most of all, You don't like being scared. What if you call and she says, Not this time, but I have your number. I'll call. just sitting there thinking about the difference between a pleasant surprise and genuine interest and thinking and frutzing and walking around in circles, you idiot. Come on, guy. Tuck in your shirt. Take out the trash. Wind your watch. You call that woman now before some other guy beats you to it. The story is called, I'll Call You. It's from my Night Connections 2 Spoken Word Story CD. If you like it, you can just keep this podcast, or if you want a fresh copy, please go back to DickSummer.com. Check out the Night Connections 2 icon on the homepage. These days and nights, it seems like we're in some kind of outrageously high fear gear. Breaking that rage momentum is a first step in the direction of unrage. Unrage. Unrage is a safe landing, after there's been a lot of brown stuff blown around the cockpit. Unrage is when we calm down enough to make a safe landing. Unrage is when we try to genuinely understand why the other guy feels the way he does. Because, you know, there usually is a reason. And our ability to reason is how pilots got us to the moon and back. Were they scared? Of course they were. But they didn't let that stop them from taking control when they were headed straight down at a zillion knots during a flaming and shaking reentry. They remembered to wind their watches, thankfully. <laughs> and hey, Mike, in case you're listening, thanks. Boy, I was scared. all the way to sleep. Good night.